The following audio is from City Rev Church. For more information about City Rev Church, visit us online at cityrev.org. Prayer is profound, mysterious, confusing, amazing, incredible, frustrating, difficult, a gift. It's all those things. And any person who's been following Jesus for any length of time and is willing to be honest will share with you that prayer is some mixture of those things. In the past few months, uh, I've been reflecting on my own prayer life. I feel like I have a moment of prayer recently in my life that hits just about every one of those words. Just yesterday, I was sitting down uh, praying before early before the rest of my family was up, and sometimes I like to journal my prayers. I don't know if any of you do this. I was just journaling my prayers, writing down what was on my heart, and really just laying these burdens before the Lord and being very specific. And I finished that moment of prayer, and then I opened up in my Bible. I've been reading through Deuteronomy in my personal Bible reading time. And after I finished praying, I opened up in my Bible, and I opened up to a chapter that begins to unpack and dissect everything I just prayed about and spoke to me in such a specific way that I was like. And I had this moment where the Lord was just teaching me and speaking to me and answering me very directly from his word. A few weeks before that, I was uh, off in this little nature preserve. There's one on Sheridan, uh, almost by US 27, like 196 in Sheridan. There's this beautiful nature preserve. I like to go there sometimes. Just wanted to get some quiet space to reflect and pray. And I'm there and I'm walking and praying and God put on my heart a friend of mine that I hadn't spoken to in weeks, uh, maybe even months. And I start praying for my friend and these passages of scripture come to mind and I start praying about these passages of scripture that God had put on my heart. And as I'm praying for my friend in these specific ways, I I finish up my prayer time, I go back towards my car and I text my friend and say, hey, I know it's been a while, but just wanna let you know, I'm praying for you, thinking about you. Uh, I was just thinking about these two passages of scripture and I just wanted them to encourage you today, not knowing what would happen next my friend sends me a text response with the following. Bro, wow. The verses and words you just sent speak deeply to me and are a nudge from the Lord in response to things I prayed yesterday and today. Thank you. And I was like, whoa. Thank you, Lord. So a few weeks after that, I tried to recreate that. You know what I'm saying? And I said, okay, well, I'm gonna spend even more time. I went to this other park spent some more time and what followed was an even more extended time of what felt like the loneliest, unproductive time in my life. I was distracted. I felt like I couldn't get my mind straight. I felt like God was not paying attention. I felt frustrated. Another time that happened recently, there's a, uh, someone in our church who was asking for prayer, has been dealing with something for a while. A few of us gathered together, just really believing, you know what, God, we believe you can heal this person. Nothing is too hard for you. You're all powerful. You're the creator of the heavens and the earth. So we gather together and we pray saying, Lord, we believe, we trust you can heal this person. Please heal them. And they're still hurting and in pain. And we're not giving up. We're not gonna just say, well, forget it. We'll keep praying for that person. 
but that was a letdown. To pray is to put yourself in the position to be let down by God. To pray is where our faith, the rubber actually meets the road. It's where what you really truly believe about God is laid bare and you're vulnerably saying, okay, Lord, I believe you're good and worthy and trustworthy, so I'm bringing this to you. Prayer is at the very heart of our faith. And I wonder if some of you are like me that your experience of prayer has been all over the place. There's wonders and terrors, moments of illumination and moments of frustration and silence. And wherever you're at in your prayer journey, here's what's true of all of us. Whether you're someone who prays regularly, like all the time, you're, you've got this habit and practice of prayer that you've cultivated over the years, or if you're someone that maybe is just starting out in prayer or just trying to give it a shot, wherever you're at in the prayer journey, what can be true of all of us is we all want to grow in this area of prayer. You may be a beginner at prayer or an experienced beginner at prayer. There are no experts in prayer. And what can be true of all of us is we all want to grow in this area. How can we do that? Well, we're going to look at Jesus' most central teaching on the topic of prayer. This is his most famous, iconic teaching. In fact, what we're about to read together is perhaps the most repeated set of words in the history of mankind. These words have been repeated in more languages and more times than probably any collection of words in human history. It's called the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. And we're going to take Jesus's core teaching on prayer and we're going to examine the, the heart of this prayer. And we're going to ask the question, how can what Jesus taught us about prayer help us to become people who are increasingly given to prayer? So look with me. I want to invite all of us to stand. Let's read this together. I want us to read it out loud. Uh, since this is a special text, I want to invite you. The words will also be on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. But here's what it says. Let's read it together, starting in verse 9. Ready? Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You may be seated. Who here at some point in their life memorized some version of that, some translation of that? A few of us? It's a great passage to memorize. If you memorized it and you're watching online, maybe put in the comments section, maybe what language you memorized it in. This prayer is in some ways uh, not so much a script for us just to repeat, although if we make that and personalize it, that is certainly a great prayer. But what this prayer does is it models for us the full complete range of which prayer can start to touch and different types and modes of prayers that we can express in our relationship with God. Now, this prayer starts with an address. Jesus teaches us how to address God. 
It also then continues and it gives a series of seven petitions, seven requests of God. And these seven requests, you can think about them in kind of three sections. The first three requests are unified. There's a middle request at the center, the fourth, and then the last three, five, six, and seven are unified thematically as well. But to begin this section here, what I wanna do is I wanna spend a few moments meditating on how Jesus calls us to address God in prayer. Now, uh, this again is a great way to talk to the Lord in prayer. This is not Jesus saying, this is the script. This is the only way you are to address God in prayer. It's not so much like an incantation where it's like the precision of the words is right. It's a teaching that Jesus is giving us about the character and nature of God. So he says, when you address God, I want you to address him when you pray as our father in heaven, our father in heaven. What you call someone is significant. You might have a nickname or something personal you call your husband or your wife, your kids, that's unique to you. And based on your relationship with them, it informs the way that you describe them. Uh, A.W. Tozer, a Christian thinker and writer, he said this, uh, this is uh, what I think to be not only true, but life altering when we start to comprehend this. Here's what he said. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Here's what he's tapping into. Whatever you think is ultimate in your life, Whatever it is you're chasing after, whatever you think of when you think of God, in other words, that then starts to take on this true north in your life. Your thoughts about God form this life compass where now your true north is set on your view and vision of God. And so everything else in your life is now patterned and shaped by that direction you're heading in. Are you following? Your view of God, the most important thing about you. So if we're going to talk about prayer and how do you approach God, Jesus wants us to approach him as our father in heaven. Think about that for a moment. To address God as our father describes his closeness, his imminence, his nearness. There are things that you can talk to your father about you can't talk to anybody else about. To call God father communicates this relationship. He's personal. He cares. He's not just this big giant being that's out there in space and disconnected from the cares and burdens of your life. No, he's your father. Communicates his closeness, his imminence. And look how Jesus describes the father in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. Matthew 6, verse 6. Let's jump there. Matthew 6, verse 6. Here's what Jesus says. He says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Think about the intimacy of that language. That God is with you and sees you in the secret place where no one else sees you and no one else hears you. And so when we go to him, he wants us to address him as our father, but not just our father. He wants us to address him as our father in heaven, our father 
in heaven. What's interesting is though Jesus goes there in Matthew 6, 6 and talks about how our father who is in secret, he's personal, he's near, he cares and he sees us. Jesus, when he gets to teaching us how to pray, he doesn't say, although it wouldn't necessarily be wrong, he doesn't say, don't address him as our father who's in secret. He says, our father in heaven. Think about what it communicates that he's not just your father, but he's your father in heaven. In heaven means he is in authority. He's ruling, he's reigning, he's powerful, he's mighty. There's nothing too difficult for him. He's transcendent. So he's your father, but he's your father in heaven. Listen to what Psalm 115 says about your father in heaven. Verse three, our God is in the heavens and he does all that he pleases. You can't say that. There are things that you would please to do that you can't do. You don't have the capacity to carry out. Things I wish I could do, I'm not strong enough to do. That's not true of God. He's in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. I want you to write this statement down in your notes. If you're taking notes, write this down. We'll put it on the screen as well. Is that a right view of God produces a fervent passion for prayer. A right view of God, when we see God as not just some being out there, but we see him as our father in heaven, it produces this fervent passion for prayer. Bringing those two concepts together. He's your father in heaven. That means he cares about you. He's close. He knows your needs. He's personal. He's not too busy for you but he's your father in heaven, which means he can actually do something about your needs. He's capable, he's able, he's strong, he's mighty. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He's your father in heaven. Jesus wants to address us to address God as he does. The only reason we can address God as our father in heaven is because of what Jesus did for us. You know, uh, I used to think growing up that when you finish your prayer, you're supposed to say, in Jesus' name, amen, because that was like putting a period on the sentence to cue God that you're done now, right? And some of you are like, yeah, I thought that's what it actually is, you know? And I used to think that that's what it was, but Jesus actually taught his disciples. He said, pray in my name. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? Uh, it's kind of like this. So uh, if I was to be pulled over by a police officer, uh, let's say I just wasn't paying attention to the to the, to the speeding limit, to the speed limit, or there was a school zone I didn't see. Let's say I get pulled over. What would probably proceed, you know, from me in that moment is I would say, I'm so sorry, officer. I have multiple family members who are police officers. Some of my good friends are officers. I just so value and respect, you know, what you guys, thank you. You know what I mean? And did I mention I have family that are officers, you know, officer? And I'd probably say something like that. Now, what am I doing in that moment? I am appealing to somebody else's reputation, status, and authority on my behalf to get me favor with someone that if it was just on me, I'd have no favor to get. You following me? I, I am appealing to their name, their reputation, so that I can then go before that officer and hopefully get some favor. Here's what it means then to pray in Jesus' name. It means that you go to your father in heaven, not on the basis of your deservedness to receive that prayer, 
not on the basis of your righteousness or your morality or how good you are. You go to Jesus based on the righteousness and goodness of Jesus. You say, I'm coming to you, Father, in the name of Jesus. I am name dropping Jesus Christ, who's your son, and I know you love him, you see him, he's your son, and so in his name, I bring you my requests. And so the reason we can even pray to God and call him and dare to call him, our Father who's in heaven, is because of what Jesus has done for us. The gospel, the good news of what Jesus did for us, is that imperfect and broken and undeserving people can be reconciled to a perfect and holy God through the forgiveness that's offered through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus is blameless. Jesus is righteous. Jesus is deserving. Jesus is perfect. And yet Jesus, the perfect one, takes my sin, your sin, our guilt and shame on himself. And he dies in your place. He lays down his life. And he invites you to put your trust in him and receive as a gift of his grace, salvation, forgiveness, and reconciliation. The only way into the family of God is to be adopted. Every single one of us are spiritual orphans before Jesus. Scripture says that we were enemies with God, but while we were sinners, God sent his son Jesus to die for us. And if you've never called upon the name of Jesus for salvation, that's your step today. Before we can call upon his name in prayer for the burdens of our life, we first have to call upon his name for salvation. And the good news is whoever calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. You'll be forgiven. You'll experience eternal life because of what Jesus did for you, receiving his grace and forgiveness in your life. To the person who's been wandering and far from home, today's your day to come home, to call upon the name of Jesus and receive God's grace for your life. So he tells us, I want you to pray to your father who is in heaven. This is the address that we're instructed to pray with. Now, the first three petitions that follow the our father, that follow the address, are unified in the way they, that they align us to God's agenda and his character. I want you to think about them with me. So our father is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. That word hallowed is not a word we use now anymore. It's very old English. It means to make holy or regard as holy. So to pray hallowed be your name is to say, Father, May your reputation, may your name, may your glory be treated as holy. May my life and the world around me, may you be honored through me. To pray hallowed be your name is a prayer of adoration. It's to spend time praising God. It's to spend time reflecting on his character, his patience towards you. How there's no one as loving as him. There's no one as patient as he is. There's no one as forgiving as he is. There's no one like him. And to pray, hallowed be your name, is to start by reflecting on and praising God for his character. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come is to pray that God's agenda, his values, his reign would be realized on earth. That the 
agenda of the world, that the value system of the world that has power, that has a stronghold, that that might be disrupted and that God's agenda for the world would be realized. God, may your kingdom come. May, may what you want, when life is honored as, as King Jesus is on his throne, that's what I want for my life. And your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That third request is a prayer of surrender to his rule in your life, to his desire for your life. It's a prayer of commit, commitment to obedience. To pray your will be done is not just to say, hey, and whatever happens, Lord, may it be what you want. But it's also saying, and by the way, I'm participating. I want to participate in doing your will. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That the way in which heaven, the place where God reigns in all of his fullness and glory and where Perfect submission is the norm to his rule and reign. May that be realized on earth as it is in heaven. I want you to think about, as you think about prayer and these first three petitions, like being on a boat and you're out at sea and you're uh, maybe trying to hold your position in a particular location. Most boats have a tool that you use in order to keep yourself in one particular location. It's called an anchor. Imagine you throw out an anchor and you're trying to steady your position and just for our purposes, go along with me. I know this might not be how you, you know, nautical people would do it, but here, here, imagine with me, you throw the anchor out, you let the line out and you hold the line. And the anchor has taken hold of the ground beneath you, underneath the waters. And I want you to just picture the scenario where you're holding onto the line, you're in the boat, and the anchor has taken hold on the ground. Now imagine if you pull on that line, okay? What's happening in that moment? In that moment, are you pulling the ground towards you or is the ground pulling you towards it? The ground is pulling you towards it. You're not moving that ground. Here's what these first three prayer petitions are all about. It's about us being aligned and pulled to God's desire his will, his character. It's to say, God, your name be hallowed in my life. Your name be treated as holy in my life. May your kingdom come, your priorities be my priorities. Your will be done. Whatever happens in my life, I'm surrendered. It's this prayer where I'm saying, Lord, pull me close. Prayer we often talk about, it's not a tool for control. It's a tool for surrender. It's a tool to yield. And then after these first three petitions, the fourth petition is to give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Daily bread is a stand-in here for your basic needs in life. It's to pray and ask the Lord for enough to sustain you. Daily bread is God's way of inviting us to trust him with what we need in life. You know, I think if I was honest, I wish Jesus would have taught us to pray, give us this day our yearly bread so that I don't have to worry about it tomorrow. But that's not what he said. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus does not want to spare us from the incredible privilege of seeing God come through on a daily basis. He doesn't want us to miss out on the joy of seeing God come through again and again. So he gives us 
an instruction to pray for daily bread. It's a word for us in a difficult time, in a difficult season where there's a lot of panic and paranoia. It's a good word for us. Some of us, our action step from today is to pray the Lord's prayer and begin to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm trusting you for my daily bread. And notice, notice where this falls in the order of the prayer. The way that Jesus instructs us to pray here, again, is not this formula that's strict, and if you don't do it, you're praying wrong. That's not what he's doing here. But there is tremendous wisdom in how Jesus orders this prayer. Think about the difference between going to God with these things that are overwhelming you and burdening you. Imagine coming out the gate saying, God, I need this and this and this. I'm overwhelmed by this, this, and that. And listen, there are times when praying that is a victory. But think about the difference when you start by saying, Lord, you are my father in heaven. Your name is holy. You are a rich provider. You are loving and kind. Hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done. Imagine now we get to give us this day our daily bread, our needs, after we've spent time aligning ourselves to his character and his will and his purposes. Now, the things I might pray for may be different in light of the time I just spent in praise and adoration. Maybe the things that were just overwhelming to me a moment ago aren't so overwhelming anymore as I spent time in prayer reflecting on who he is. So in light of who he is, a right view of God produces this fervent passion for prayer. In light that he's my father in heaven, now I can come to him with my daily needs and trust him. I've heard some people say, you know, I don't like praying for myself. I prefer to pray for other people. Or I don't like asking people to pray for me. There are so many needs in the world. People need prayer for others. Can I just offer you a, a, a different point of view? Let me offer you the words of Jesus who taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And just ask the question to the person who says, I don't like to pray for myself or ask prayer from other people. Let me just ask you, what's the alternative? You figuring it out yourself? You've got it covered? You don't need him? When he's your father in heaven, in light of who he is, of course I'm gonna pray and ask for his help. I'm gonna get as many people who are willing to listen to my prayer requests to say, please pray for me. It is not the humble thing to say, no, don't pray for me. Oh, there's so many, no, listen, like we all need it. Don't minimize it. You might miss out on what the Lord wants to do through you and through your prayers. That middle petition is the hinge that then turns to the last three. The last three petitions, after give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. These three petitions that close the Lord's prayer are unified in the way that they help us think through and pray about the decisions we make, the moral choices that are before us. We say, God, may I be a person of forgiveness, that your forgiveness that you won for me on the cross and through your resurrection is so thoroughly working in my heart that I am an instrument of forgiveness to the people who have hurt me. May I be a person who forgives others as well. This is where we go to the Lord with repentance 
and honesty about our struggles. This is where we say, Lord, these areas of testing right now that I'm walking through, please, would you deliver me from them? Help me to walk faithfully. Help me to walk away, far away from evil. And as we think about our God, again, we begin with praise. If this is who our God is, how could we even desire sin? How could we even desire evil in light of who he is? And so this prayer moves us, orients us, anchors us to God, aligns us with his will, then entrusts him with our provision saying, Lord, give me just enough, give me daily bread. And then brings us to a place where you say, Lord, help me to honor you with my life. A right view of God produces an earnest passion for prayer, a fervent passion for prayer. You see, because he's your father in heaven, he cares for you more than you can imagine. And he can do for you more than you can imagine. That's who he is. And if that's who he is, then it's praying time. Then it's praying time. It would have been generous if God set up an arrangement where once every hundred years, one human being had the honor of representing humanity and bringing their requests to God. That would have been generous of him. He doesn't have to do that. It would have been generous if God just kind of said, okay, once every hundred years you come up, think about the pressure on that person, okay? It, It would have been generous, think about it like this. It would have been generous if God said, hey, every human being at one point in their life has one shot to come before God and bring their prayer requests. You get one opportunity to go ahead and bring your request to the Lord. Don't mess it up. That would have been generous. But what Jesus does for us is he makes us sons and daughters. And by definition, sons and daughters of a good father have access all the time, perpetual access. Any moment, right now, you can go to him. The only thing keeping you is you from going to him. And so when we think about who he is, he's our father in heaven, how could we not be a people of prayer? What are we to do then in light of Jesus' teaching? How can we grow and take steps forward as followers of Jesus in our prayer life? I wanna give you three words for application, three ways that we can apply this teaching, make it practical, bring it down to the very tangible. So write these down. Here's the first. It's that we are to run to prayer as a rhythm and a reflex. Run to prayer as a rhythm and a reflex. What do I mean by rhythm? By rhythm, I mean what is the pattern and the way in which Prayer is systematically integrated into your day and your week. What's the rhythm of prayer in your life? Don't leave prayer up to chance. I'll get to it when I feel like it. We don't do that with a whole lot of things, right? There's all sorts of trouble we get into when we say that about our relationships, is there not? I'll get to it when I feel like it. Horrible recipe for marriage. Horrible recipe for parenting, horrible recipe for friendship. Why would it be any different with God? We need a rhythm. So what's your rhythm? Is it first thing in the morning, in the quiet of the morning? Personal opinion, that's the best time. 
What, what's, what's your moment throughout the day where maybe you have moments marked throughout your day that are marked with prayer? What's your rhythm of prayer? What about in your week? Is there something out of the box that you do once a week? A rhythm you set up in your life once a month where you give yourself to greater time, greater passion, greater intensity of prayer over the things that are happening in your life. What's that rhythm? And then the second thing in that category is not just rhythm in prayer, but also your reflex in prayer. What do I mean by reflex? We need to run to prayer when something comes up in our day and our thought is, okay, I'll just fix it. Pray. When you're walking through your day and something happens that's beautiful and good, pray. As this reflex, this conversation with the Lord, this communion with God, that throughout my day, I'm having this just multiple conversations at once. I might be talking to this person, but at the same time, I'm thinking, okay, Lord, give me wisdom for how to help respond to this person. You're going into a meeting at work, and before you open the door and you enter into the room, you think, okay, Lord, help me to have the right words to say. Give me understanding and discernment for when I need to speak up or listen. Something that's a part of my prayer reflex in my life is a lot of times when I'm coming home from work and I'm about to open the door, all right, I've got three little ones who have a lot of energy, need a lot of attention and time, and a wife that's been with them for a long time that day. So I often pray, I open the door, I'm like, Lord, give me your love, your passion, your care. Give me patience, give me stamina and energy to be present with my children. We need prayer as this rhythm and reflex in our life where we're having this conversation with the Lord throughout the day. Here's the second way that we can apply this. We can worship in prayer. Worship in prayer. There may be some of you that the reason prayer has grown cold in your life is because prayer has just become working through a list. God help this person, they need that. God help this person, they need that. God help heal this. God be with this person. God help me with this. And again, that's not bad. Jesus taught us to pray for daily bread. He taught us to ask those things. But if that's all that your prayer life is, might I just submit to you, what would happen in your life if you start in the context of prayer, praising and worshiping the God you're praying to? Stirring up your heart. Maybe you take a passage of scripture, a Psalm. Read Psalm 23 or Psalm 103. We read Psalm 84, Psalm 16, these beautiful passages of scripture that help stir up our faith and our heart and describe God's magnificence. And maybe you start there and you say, Lord, I praise you because this is who you are, because you're holy, you're my healer, you're my salvation, you're my king, you're my ruler, you're my friend. And worship in prayer. Watch and see as that starts to change even the things you start asking for. Worship in prayer. And then third, surrender in prayer. Surrender in prayer. Jesus didn't just teach us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He modeled it for us. In the garden of Gethsemane, the night before he was crucified, Jesus goes to his father in heaven on his knees and he asks if there's any other way that God's plan and purpose might be fulfilled. Lord, would you spare me from this moment? But then Jesus says, but not my will, but yours be done. What's he doing? He's praying the prayer he just taught us to pray. 
He's saying, Lord, I'm surrendered to your will. I trust that your will is better than my will. We need to surrender in moments of prayer. Listen, why wouldn't we surrender in moments of prayer? Think about all the times in your life where you maybe prayed and asked God for something. You prayed and you wanted it and you desired it and it didn't come to pass. And now with some perspective and time, you are like, whoo, thank you that I did not get what I asked for. That would have been a disaster, okay? I can't, I can't tell you how many times an answered prayer that was no was God's kindness towards me and him saying, listen, you do not know what you're asking for. Don't we want his will? He's your father in heaven. When you're a child, your father has more perspective and wisdom than you do. And sometimes as children, you can't see it. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. But your father can see it. So surrender in prayer. Yield in prayer. One of the ways that you surrender in prayer is after you bring those requests to the Lord, you share your heart, you pour out your heart to him. One of the ways we surrender in prayer is we just sit quietly and listen. And you allow there to be some silence. Listening in prayer and silence in prayer, heard one author put it like this, is to obey what scripture says when it says, be still and know that I am God. It's to obey when the Psalms talk about it is good for us to sit quietly and wait for the Lord. When we surrender in prayer, when we're quiet and listening in prayer, we're surrendering control of our relationship with God to God. And we're saying, Lord, here I am. I'm surrendering my prayer. I'm surrendering my life to you. And I'm just going to sit here and wait upon you and listen. And there are some times where maybe a passage of scripture comes to mind. There are some times where you'll just feel this sense of his presence and his love for you. There are some times where it's just silent. But in that moment of surrender, it's you demonstrating the faith you have, you're not talking to some imaginary person who can't hear you. You're talking to your father in heaven who's with you in the secret place. Surrender in prayer. I just ask you, what are of those three categories, those three, run to prayer as a rhythm and a reflex. The second of worshiping in prayer and the third, surrendering in prayer. Which of those three do you feel like in your life is the step for you? Start with one. Don't get overwhelmed and say, well, I can't do all three, therefore let me, no, just what's one? What's one step forward you can take? Which of those three is it? Because when we remember who he is, we have a right view of who God is. It's gonna produce this fervent passion for prayer. Your prayer life if you show me what your prayer life is like, I'll show you what you really believe about God. Someone told me that, made my bones shake. You wanna know what you really believe about God? You wanna know where your faith really meets the test? What are you praying about? How passionately are you praying about it? How often are you praying? Do you enjoy praying? Are you wearied by it? It reveals something about what we believe about the Lord. And to my friends who are here and 
you're walking through a dry season in your prayer life. And we all go through them. There's not a single one of us immune to a dry season in prayer. May we start here. May you hear the Lord say, start here. He's your father in heaven. He's not disappointed in you. He's not done with you. He's not just frustrated by you. He's inviting you to come close, to start again, to come to him, to pray to him. His mercies are new every morning. His forgiveness is inexhaustible. He cares more than you can imagine, and he can do more than you can imagine. So start praying. Let me pray for us, and then we'll close our time. Let's pray. Well, our Father in heaven, right now I just pray for the person who's here that maybe feels stuck in their prayer life. That person who's here who feels like, man, I've just kind of let my life slip. I've been busy. I've been trying to get this thing called life done on my own. I pray, Lord God, that today would be a moment where your sweet fatherhood, your loving kindness would draw near to them and by your grace and mercy, stir them to bring to you all of their burdens, their needs, their hopes, their dreams, their fears. Father, I pray for us as a church that we would be a church that is marked by prayer. That through the wonders of prayer and the mystery of prayer and the frustration of prayer, we believe you are forming us more and more into the image of your son. Thank you that we have a savior who also knows what it's like to pray, not my will, but yours be done. Help us to be like him. And then if there's anyone here with heads bowed and eyes closed who has never called upon the name of Jesus for salvation, you've never trusted in Christ as your savior. And right now is your moment where you wanna receive his grace and forgiveness over your life that he won for you on the cross. If now is your moment, and with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just slip your hand up and say, that's me, I wanna receive his forgiveness today. I wanna call upon the name of Jesus today. If that's you, just slip your hand up and then you can put it back down. If that's you, you just put your hand up, put it back down. If that's you, here's what scripture calls you to do. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Call upon his name today. Call upon him as your savior and your Lord, your God. Jesus, we love you. We give you this time. We thank you for your grace. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Hey, if you just now made a decision to put your faith in Jesus, whether you're watching online or here in person, we want to celebrate that with you. We wanna encourage you. We wanna give you a Bible if you don't have one. And so here's what I'd love for you to do. You can go to cityrev.org faith, especially those who are watching online, if that's a decision you made, go to cityrev.org faith and fill out that form. And we'll put a Bible in your hands. We'll mail it to you. And we'd love to pray with you. If you're here in person, you can either drop off your connection card in one of our giving boxes on your way out today. Just mark the spot that says, today I decided to follow Jesus. 
You can also take it to guest services as well. But hey, we're gonna close in a time of worship. So let's go ahead and stand together. Let's close and sing and worship to our King and King. Thanks for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at cityrev.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, you can email us at podcast at cityrev.org.